Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing in the room today? Right, good? So glad you're here today. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint. If you're here today for the first time, thank you so, so very much for joining us. If those of you online with us today, we welcome you guys as well. Hey, can we give those guys a big hand, everybody? Thank you guys for joining with us. Uh, we love you guys so much, and we're so grateful for you. I want to say a special thank you really quickly to all of our people who make our church go. We call them the dream team. This is all the volunteers. In fact, if you are on our dream team, would you just slip your hand up real quick? We just want to see who you are. Raise your hand real high, real high. Yeah, thank you. Give it up for all these guys. Thank you guys so much. We have teams that are serving you in the parking lot. Come on, that parking lot's crazy, but imagine what it would be like without them. Come on, somebody. It would be really crazy. Uh, and we have folks everywhere around here that make this church go and make it what it is, and I wanna just say a big thank you to all of you guys. Um, <clears throat> one other thing, we did our first ever uh, Fall Fest on Wednesday, and that was a lot of work for a lot of folks, but I wanna say thank you to them as well. And thank you, those of you who were able to come, it was such a fun time to be hanging out with you guys. So thank you, everybody, for being there. Um, if you missed last week, I wanna just catch you up really quickly. Got this here today, because whatever's been blowing around got in my chest, and my throat. Can I get a witness on that, somebody? All right, it can't just be me. Uh, <clears throat> um, last week, we talked about margin. Uh, not margarine, come on, margin. And we said that margin is the space between your current pace of living, of spending, whatever it is. This is a financial series, but of spending and your, your limits. We said that if this is your limit and we live on the edge financially our whole lives, like we're on the edge at all times, then we become one bad thing happening to us from falling off the cliff, right? And so the wise person says, I'm gonna create margin or space in terms of savings, in terms of the things that Dave Ramsey calls it, emergency, rainy day, all those things. I'm gonna create space. And, and we talked about that there is a big difference between a standard of living, the standard, a standard of living and the quality of life. Our culture, our world, the marketing experts tell us that they're the same thing, but standard of living would be the things that we have, the money that we make. Quality of life would be our overall well-being. We said there's a big difference between those two. We said that a lot of people will, will raise their standard of living uh, with debt, but we raise our quality of life with discipline, right? People will use debt to go, hey, I want the best, latest, greatest, but the wise people use discipline to enhance their quality of life. And we said that the key to quality of life in this particular area of finance is contentment, being content with God's current provision for our lives, not the one we wish we had, not the one our neighbor has, but the one we actually have. And then we said that the wise person, because this series is about gaining wisdom as it relates to finances, the wise person says, I'll give some, I'll save some, and I'll spend some. Can we say that together? The wise person says, I'll give some, I'll save some, and I'll spend some. And the wise person will pre-decide. They'll pre-choose percentages for each of those three categories. Like, I'm gonna save this much percentage-wise, I'm gonna give this much percentage-wise, and I'm gonna spend uh, the rest uh, percentage-wise. And that's gonna take discipline to live like that. So now I co we come to another big idea in our series, 
And it's found in the book of Haggai. Haggai is, if you have your Bibles on your phones, however you have it, I'll have it on the screen. But we love it when you bring your Bible, especially your paper Bible. There's something about it. You can write notes, you can make notes, and those notes, listen to me, those notes will speak back to you someday. I promise you they will. So Haggai is in that back end of the Old Testament. It's only two chapters long. It's literally in my Bible. It's this right here, one page, all right? So this is a, 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 a lesser known prophet. There's three or four guys that are prophesying around the same time God's using them. And here's what he says in verse five. Haggai says, now this is what the Lord Almighty says. And by the way, anytime we see these words, this is what the Lord Almighty says, it's probably wise to listen, to pay attention. And notice what he says. He says, give careful thought to your, say this word with me, to your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. And then he explains why this is important. He says, you have planted much, but you've harvested little. He says, you eat, but you, you never get enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. And then this incredible statement, you earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in them. Come on, I don't know if any of you have ever had some cash in your pocket and you forgot that you had cash in your pocket and then you look there and there's no more cash in your pocket, right? Because it's now blowing with the wind. It's gone with the wind. Anybody know what I'm saying? Because like when I was a kid, like I would find some dude's money that was blowing across the parking lot. Best day ever. Come on, y'all. Even if it was a dollar, right? If it was a dollar, like kids today be like, yeah, it's just a dollar. Like leave it there. But back in the day, come on, somebody, back in the day, a dollar, like for me, this is how my mind worked, because I like candy a lot. Like you can look at me and know that I like food, but I liked candy, which is why my teeth are all jacked up. And in my day, you could get a quarter out of your mom's purse when she wasn't looking, praise God, for stealing in, in God's house, right? <laughs> and we had stop and go. Like I lived right off of Marbach and 410, and there was a stop and go. Y'all don't know stop and go, but we had stop and go, which was this little store. And for one quarter, you could get a pack of sprees. Anybody? No sprees? Right? So one dollar, like, Four packs of sprees, can I? Can, it's like a smorgasbord of sprees. All right, anyways, I don't even know why. I don't know why I did that, anyways. It's like you, you make money, and I think some of us can relate to this. You make money, you put it in the account, but it's like that account has holes in it, right? And so God says through the prophet, this is what the Lord Almighty says, this is verse seven, give careful thought to your ways. He starts there, he ends there. Give careful thoughts of your ways. Do you know... Do you know what he's describing in this? He's describing that these people have never learned to be content with what they have. You eat, you eat your fill, but you're not full. You drink, you drink your fill, but you're not, you're not satiated, right? You, you, you have clothes, but they're not warm enough. You make money, but it's like it's all going out. Now, now I want to give you context so we can understand why this is so important. These people, the people of Israel in this season are consumed with themselves and their stuff, and they've forgotten God, and they've forgotten God's house. And so if you read the first four, four verses, you find that God's house, the temple, is in ruins, right? While he says, you're building house with fine paneling. He actually puts that in there, right? They're consumed with them and theirs, but they've forgotten God and, and his. And he says, because of that, because of that, in light of that, you, you keep working so hard to make it happen, but it's not happening. You keep thinking, I'm making all this money, but I don't know where it went. 
He said, that's the net result. And so, so he says, give careful thought to your ways. I want us to think about that word ways um, for a minute because it's so important um, to this discussion about finances. And by the way, let me say this again. I said it last week. We don't want anything from you, okay? So, so, so this, is not, this is not what we want from you. This is what we, want, hope, we hope for you is that we would get understanding and wisdom around this area. And the Bible has so much to say about finances, okay? And, and we, we've used this, before, this word before, this verse before. I want to show you this word ways in another verse. This is, um, this is Proverbs 14. He says, Solomon says, the wisdom of the prudent, he, in other words, what makes the prudent person, and the prudent is forward thinking, the person who thinks ahead. The wisdom, what makes them wise is that they give thought to their ways. So ways are behaviors, Waves, ways are habits, ways are patterns that we all have as it relates to anything in life, right? They're trends that we have. It's what makes us predictable to our families, to our parents, to our spouses, to our kids, our kids to us, right? Everybody has ways, yes or no, right? We all have our own little patterns and trends and ways that we do things. Now, here's what he's saying. The wise person, the one who is forward thinking, the prudent, he or she gives thought contemplates, considers, gets advice about his or her ways. In other words, they pay attention to how they do things, how they manage things, how they think about things, how they, the prudent person knows this. This is why they pay attention. The prudent person knows that the best indicator of future behavior is past behavior. The prudent person knows that the way I've been living in my past and how I currently am is the best predictor of how it's going to go for me in the future. Does that make sense, everybody? Now, but, but this, the rest of the verse goes, but the, 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 the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly or the foolishness of fools is deception. Now, here's what, here's what he's saying here, that whereas the prudent person, the forward-thinking person is constantly examining and evaluating and seeking counsel about his or her ways, the patterns, the habits, the trends, the fool, on the other hand, doesn't pay attention to their ways, gives no thought to their ways. In fact, the fool thinks, you know what, regardless of how my life has gone up till now, regardless of how I've responded in the past to relational problems, regardless of my current financial habits, somehow I think that I'm going to end up in a place that is nothing like my current standards of living, like my current patterns of living. Somehow good things are just going to, come on, magically appear, Right? And I don't know how and I don't know why, but I'm not going to bother to evaluate my current reality, right? The fool says, Solomon says, is deceived. Past behavior is the best indicator of future behavior. Can people change? Absolutely. Do people always change? No, because they don't give thought to their ways. Billy Graham once said famously that, that if a person gets their attitude towards money right, it tends to solve a lot of other problems in their life. I think that's true. That's why we're doing this teaching series because money and our ways and our thoughts and our trends and our behaviors and our habits around it affect so many other parts of our lives, including our health, including our peace, including our joy. This is a reason why Jesus spent so much of his teaching time in the New Testament on the, on the idea of money and possessions. We told you this last week, of the 35 to 38, depending on how you categorize it, parables that he taught, 16 of them were about money and possessions, more than heaven and hell and prayer combined, right? Because he knows the power that wrong thinking around money has on a person, their family, and listen, 
generationally. It's the way dad did it, it's the way grandpa did it, it's the way great grandpa did it, so this is the way we're gonna do it. And we don't examine our ways, right? So we're thinking today about how we think about money. We're examining our ways. Last week we said that if money could talk, can't, but if it could, one thing it might say is that I can add meaning to your life, but I am not the meaning of life. And if we get that part wrong, it creates chaos in our lives. The second thing I think that money would say if it could talk was that, and we're not gonna like this one, all right, come on, here we go. Your self-control around me, around money, determines which one of us will have control. Your self-control will determine which one of us has, this is why Jesus says nobody can serve two masters. You're either gonna love the one and hate the other one, or you're gonna hate the one and love the other one, and he says you can't love both God and money. That's that whole passage in Matthew 6, right? You can't love both God and money. Your money would say, it isn't gonna be about how much you and I make together, right? It's gonna be what we do with what we make, right? But know this, your self-control is gonna determine which one of us has control, so give careful thought to your ways. Now, I wanna just get into the weeds a little bit now. We talked about debt a little bit last week. I'm gonna talk about it again. Um, I had folks tell me last week, I've never heard a message about money before, and I was like, Oh, the Bible's full of it. Uh, like, not full of it, but full of money talk, right? Come on. Man said the Bible's full of it. No, okay, anyways. Um, debt, which the Bible talks a lot about, especially in the Proverbs, is a major problem in our world. Would you agree with that? Yes or no, right? For people, for countries, um, for our country. Our country, I looked, there's a, there, is a global, there is a clock called the debt clock, U.S. debt clock. I looked yesterday, we are $31 trillion in debt right now as a country. That's such a big number that I don't even know how to comprehend that, right? Like, like I'm, I don't even know how to count up to thousands. Can I get an amen, somebody, right? <laughs> but we, we keep thinking it's not gonna cause a big deal in life. We do this personally. We accrue debt, and we think, oh, it's no big deal. It's just part of American life. It's normal, but come on, normal is not working, everybody. It's not working. So if that's normal to, 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 to just get debt and to just keep stacking it higher and higher, I, I promise you somewhere along the way, you gotta pay the piper, right? Most consumer debt occurs in our lives, not always, but a, a lot of times in our lives because we're impatient. And as I said last week, we want things now so we arrange things through credit to get what we want now rather than waiting until we can actually afford it. Because, and here's why I said that is, because we're more comfortable in America with debt than we are with discipline. Yes? Now, now, I remember when I was a kid. Some of y'all won't relate to this, but some of you are. You're older, you're older like I am. But back in the day, um, my brothers and I would go, on, well, I lived off of military, near Lac, right, right outside the base, uh, military and 90. And there was a big Kmart there. It's now like a flea market or something, but it was Kmart in those days. We would ride our bikes up there because our parents wouldn't let us have a television growing up, which now, I used to think we were so ripped off, but now I'm like, Probably that was a wise decision. Come on, Ken. You've seen the trash? Anyways, anyways, I'm just, I'm not trying to make, uh, anyways. Um, so we would go up there. Come on, we would get a box of Whoppers. Remember, they came in like a milk jug and an Icy. Come on, anybody remember Icy? And we would, I don't know why they would let us, but they had this little room that was kind of uh, full of televisions for sale, and we would just sit on the floor for hours, you know, <laughs> watching Saturday morning cartoons when that was a thing, too. And so sometimes I would get like a crick in my back or whatever, and I go walking around, and I saw this skateboard, y'all. I was probably 13, 14 years old. I saw a skateboard, and this was when Miami Vice was a thing, right? And it was cool to roll your sleeves up and wear like, 
and, and, and this was a Miami Vice skateboard. It, it was like, like, anyways, it was beautiful in my mind, right? Nobody on Miami Vice rode skateboards, but they had one right here. So I, at Kmart, I, I, I was mowing lawns in that season for $10 a lawn. Could you, could you guys want to hire me now for that? Come on, praise God. And so I took $10 up there. I got the skateboard. I took it back to the back, and I put it down, and I put $10 down, and, and, and I put it on. Lay away. A couple of y'all know. You're showing your age, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and eventually, I'd come back every Saturday, and I'd bring my new $10, because it was 80 bucks, which was a lot of money in those days for me. And every day I did it, and it took me months until one day I finally paid it off and I had my brand new, beautiful Miami Vice skateboard. You know what's great about Layaway, everybody? When I paid the thing off, it was still brand new. Now, nowadays when we pay stuff off, it's either old or broken, or we don't even know what we did with it. Come on, somebody, or we ate it. Come on, is that right? <laughs> like, for real, some of us, are paying for the vacation we took last four summers ago, right? And we're gonna pay for it again and again for the next 10 years until we've paid for it like six or eight times. Now think about how, it's very quiet in here. Because <laughs> you know it's true, right? It's crazy. Now how did we get here? How did we get here where we're like, hey, I'll pay for the same thing 10 times over? Ways. Give careful thought to your Ways. So to help us with this today, I'd like to view this through the lens of a story that Jesus told, his most famous story, really. It's not a money story. It has money in it. But it is for sure a ways story. It's called the, the parable of the lost son. You remember this story? Jesus says in Luke 15, there was a man who had two sons. The, the younger one said to his father, now notice this, father, say this with me, father, give me, remember that, my share of the estate, uh, he's entitled, right? So he divides his property. For whatever reason, he divides his property between them. So not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he, what, squandered his wealth, because this was real money that was given to him. This was a wealthy dad in wild living, or in some translations say riotous living or parting. Now, I think if many of us look back over our own lives, we would say there are moments where we did the same thing, we squandered away our money on things that we don't even have anymore that we wish we didn't buy now in retrospect. We squandered opportunities. We squandered relationships. It's the story of many of our lives, and it's certainly been the story of mine. Now, here's what happens next. After he had spent everything on riotous living, wild living, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. We'll stop there, and we'll come back. I don't care who you are, what your story is, everybody in our lives at some point goes through famine seasons, yes or no, right? Where it feels like the bottom drops out relationally, emotionally, in terms of our mental health, financially, spiritually. There comes a day when it feels like the bottom's dropped out, dropped out and oftentimes it comes on the heels of decisions and choices that we've made that have come home to roost. And, and God often uses these famine type situations to get our attention, first of all, and then to, to reorient our lives around a new purpose or direction. When you look at how this son got himself in this mess, um, it's the same way that you and I do as well. There was a progression that started with, the first thing is, he believed a lie. We believe a lie, 
right? We believe things that culture teaches us that we've heard perpetuated through our family trees or whatever, and we think this is just the way it is. And our spiritual enemy, who Jesus said in John 10, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Like, I need you to know this. You have, you have a spiritual enemy, everybody, who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Like, like in a modern culture, Christian culture, like that's fairy tale, that's fable. It is absolutely 100% true you have an enemy. And he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And, the, and his primary weapon is that he lies. Now, it seems like, well, what's the big deal? We'll spot the truth, right? No, 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 because, because a lie that's believed as truth will affect you just like it is true, okay? So in your marriage, I'll give you, for instances, he'll try to get you to believe that she is better than your wife or that he is better than your husband, that the grass would be greener on the other side of this. He'll convince you that what you don't have is much better than what you actually do have, right? This is the way lies work. But as it relates to money, there are so many bad ideas, um, so much bad thinking that it seems to just be getting worse. We have to change the way that we think about money. We have to consider our ways. One of the lies we believed in America, for sure, is that everything that comes to me is all for me, right? That, that it's, it's about me. I, I spent whatever comes in, I'm going to spend it on me and mine. And that's the nature, by the way, of greed, Okay? It's gonna get a little tight in here before it gets a little bit loose, all right? I told you this last week, but greed is the assumption that it's all for my consumption. Greed is the assumption that it's all for my consumption, that everything comes in is mine to spend and do whatever I want. And money, but, but money would go back to us and go, yeah, but self-control around money will determine which one of us has control, right? And there's this mindset that is cloaking the root issue of why Americans are in so much trouble as it relates to finances, and it is, it is not always, but oftentimes it is pride and selfishness. It's getting tighter, I'm, it's getting tighter for everybody. And, and this mindset of pride, which is image management, like people need to, I want people to think that we're doing better than we are, I want my neighbors, I saw my neighbor, my brother, my sister, my brother-in-law, God forbid my brother-in-law get ahead, come on somebody, right? Whatever it is, it's, it's pride and it's image management and selfishness. And, and the problem with pride is that it puts us in direct opposition to what God's best is for our lives. Please hear that. You track backwards to any real d destructive decisions that you've made in your life or, or maybe you've observed in the lives of others and I promise you at the root of a bad marriage decision or financial decision or relational decision, pride. Almost every time, pride and selfishness. James says in, in James 4, what causes qu fights and quarrels amongst you? He says, Is it, isn't it your desires that war within you? Right, selfishness, right? So you see it here in this story. It's, it's pride and, and entitlement and selfish thinking that this kid has, has this kid down in the pig pen. The mindset starts out with the idea, the idea, I deserve this. I've earned this. So therefore, like that idea of I deserve this, and by the way, how many commercials are telling you you deserve this. Maybe you do, but you, if you can't afford it, you don't deserve it. Come on, can I? Anyway, sorry, that was, that was troubling. It won't hurt anybody. Like, it's just for this time. It's pride that starts this thinking, which, which is a lie. So Proverbs 16, 18 says that pride goes what? Before destruction, a haughty spirit, before entitlement, before a fall. Now, Pride goes before, I want you to just think about this. John Maxwell, who I think is the greatest leadership guru 
certainly of my generation. He used to say this thing that our attitude, pride is an attitude. He said, our attitudes are the advanced man or the forerunner of our true selves. And he would say that, he would say that attitudes are the prophets of our future. So, so if you remember Jesus, when he comes and does his earthly ministry, before he does this, there's a guy who is his actual cousin who's six months older than him. His name is John the, the Baptist, right? And he goes out into the wilderness and he's eating bugs and, and, and you know, honey and whatever. But he's, he's, he's going out and he's, he's announcing Jesus before Jesus comes out. He is the foreman, the forerunner. He's like, prepare ye the way of the Lord and turn to God and repent of your sins. He's doing all that. But pride does this same kind of thing. So that anytime there is pride in my life or your life, it's broadcasting before us. And do you know what it's broadcasting? If there's pride in my life, pride goes before me and it's broadcasting, Danny is certainly headed for a fall. Pride. Okay, we're trying to get wisdom around this. And if we can recognize the pride that gets us into the trouble, then we can understand what we should do in reverse to get us out of the trouble. Right? And which is humility and gratitude and contentment, right? And accountability that we build into our lives, right? And notice what Solomon says. He says, when pride is present, there's a fall coming. So he said, if, if, if margin is the space between us and our limits, then people who say, I'm going to live at the very edge for a long time so that if one bad thing happens, I what? I fall, right? I fall off the cliff because there is no, there is no space. So pride comes before a fall. But if you're grateful for what you have, you're not going to lust for things that you, what, don't have. So the first thing is he believed a lie. The second thing we see in this story of Jesus is he, he engaged in self-destructive behaviors. We do the same thing. Go, go back to the text again. So here's what he does. He, he began to be in need is what we just read, and this is the next verse. So he went out, or he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, there's a famine, right, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So in his famine, he's in a famine season where he realizes, I'm in trouble, I've made a mess of my life, I don't know what to do, and instead of going back to his father, he tries to work his own way out of the pig pen. He just makes it worse, however, and we'll read that. The truth is, your spiritual enemy, mine, wants our lives to end up in pig pens. Pig pens where there is shame and embarrassment and humiliation and, 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 and because he's got a plan for your life just like your heavenly father does. You understand that, right? Which is to steal, kill, and destroy. What the son should have done was go right back to his father, right? But he thinks, I got myself into this. I'll get myself out of this on my own. And, here, this, and, and, and here's why Jesus would say in Matthew 6, 33, but seek first um, his kingdom, right? And his righteousness and all these things that we worry about, that we fret about, that we arrange to get will be given to us as well. So you know this is true, especially if you're 25 or older, you're, you're starting to learn this is true. If you're 35 or older, you're, you're on, yep, Yep, if you're 55 or older, you're like, bro, I wish somebody had told me this when I was in my 20s, right? And that is this, when we put us first, we will inevitably come in last. 
And here's why, because when you put you first, you have a difficult time saying no to you, don't you? I do. When it's about my kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven, come on somebody, it's hard to say no to you. The problem is, is if you, you do this long enough, you will not be mastered by you anymore. You'll get mastered by an appetite or a bunch of appetites for more, which is greed is an appetite, by the way. And the thing about appetites is they are never fully and finally satisfied. Appetites can't be set aside. You're gonna plunder yourself to oblivion on Thanksgiving Day, and about six o'clock, you're, you're gonna go, oh, miserable at 12, right? And you're gonna pop out a button because you're, right? Or you're gonna wear stretchy pants because that's what the wise people do. But at some point, you're gonna go back for what? More. If I never eat again, God, if you'll just help me, I'll never, oh, but turkey, you know. Appetites are never fully and finally satisfied, and greed is an appetite, everybody, right? And, and eventually we get mastered by appetites, and nobody wants to be a ma mastered by an appetite, and neither does your heavenly Father, which is why he teaches us, put me first. You won't get mastered by your appetite for more. And when we are created beings, and our creator wired us up to pur pursue him first, and when we get this out of order, we create disorder in our lives. But it goes back to the fact that we believe lies and we self-destruct in the, in the process. Now, just for a second, we read in Proverbs 14 that the wisdom of the prudent is that they give, thought, they give careful thought to their ways. That's, that's an earlier verse. A little bit further down, verse 12, he's talking about ways again. He says there is a way. The wisdom of the prudent is to give careful thoughts to their ways. And here's why that matters. There is a way that appears or seems to be the right way but in the end, it leads to, to death. Why is it so important to give careful thought to your way? Because there is a culture, there is a world, there is a marketing mechanism that tells us this is the right way, but it's a lie. Come on, it's a lie. That, 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 that it sounds right, really smart people say it, uh, and it, so it's gotta be right, but every path has an ending, and the ending we think it's gonna have may not be the ending it is, and sometimes the end is a kind of death, which means that if, you don't, if we give careful thought to our ways, financially we see, I'm not on the right path, I'm gonna turn around and go a different direction, because if we don't turn, right, here's what we say in, 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 in San Antonio, turn around, don't drown. Now, it hadn't rained all year, so nobody knows this if you're new here. Nine inches of rain I heard yesterday for the whole year. Come on. Our pond back there, it's this big, right? There's like fish just swimming around in a tiny little circle, right? Right? Turn around, don't drown. I would say the same thing with finances. Like, because if you, if you realize that the way that you're on, what you thought was right is wrong, turn around, don't drown, because it could end up in the death of your dreams or the death of your plans or the death of your peace in life or the death of a relationship that you love so much. But the path often starts with a mismanaged life that has no discipline and leads to a bad place with bad outcomes. And the, part of the, prog the next part of the progression is where we often find ourselves as well. We isolate ourselves from those who can help. In our shame, in our guilt, in our embarrassment, we hide and we say, I don't need anybody's help, pride, pride. I don't, need, I don't need people to know what's going on in my life, pride. Pride goes before a fall and a haughty spirit before, or sorry, I got that before destruction. I should know that, my mother told me that a thousand times growing up, right? 
This is why we place such a high value on life groups because what we find in life groups, and I just, we just finished our group that we've been in for a while, and what we find in life groups is that we realize we're not alone in our struggles. There's somebody else there who can go, oh, you're, that's, oh, me too. And listen, listen, in life it's much easier to go through a hard thing with somebody than to do it by yourself. So here's what Proverbs says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire and he breaks out against all sound judgment. When we isolate, we often break out and over time what happens in isolation, I told you before, isolation is the garden of the devil. In isolation, he can sow seeds in your life that are lies, but you'll believe them as though they're true and he will destroy you because he's trying to steal, kill, and destroy, right? Isolation is not a place that anybody should live in. And and so here's what happens if you stay there, Proverbs uh, 88, you have made my friends to loathe me. This is how he thinks. It's not true, but this is how he thinks. They've gone away. I'm in a trap with no way out. That's what the enemy wants you to believe. That's a lie. There's always a way out. There's always a way of escape, the Bible says. But you gotta start with God and you gotta end with God, right? And, and, and if you say there's no way out, here's the thing, Psalm 34, the Lord is near to those who are discouraged. He sees those who have lost all hope. He sees you. He wants to help you. You wanna help your kids when they're struggling. You come around them, you support them, you hug them, you cry with them, you give them a shoulder to cry on. How much more, Luke says, Luke 22 says, does your heavenly father love you than you love your own kids, right? Listen, there's a progression that gets us into the situations and it's gonna take, listen to me, it's gonna take a progression to get us out. See, some of us want this little miracle cure-all. It doesn't happen like that. It took us a long time to get into the trouble. It's gonna take us some time to get out, yes or no? So look at this story again. When he came to his senses, he said, how many, I'm almost done, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare and here I am starving to death? Next verse, I will set out and what? Go back. He's considered his ways. He realizes this is not, this way ends in my death, literally. He considers his way. He goes back to my father and says to him, I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. This is about repentance. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So here we go. First thing he does, and it's the first thing you and I have to do, we have to acknowledge the reality of where we are. The simple, I know, but it starts there. We have to be honest with ourselves. The Bible says that our own hearts are the most deceitful thing in the world. We'll keep lying ourselves. We'll keep saying this will fix itself someday, somehow, somewhen. Solomon says that's what the fool does. The fool is deceived. The prudent person, the wise person says, I'm gonna give careful thought to my ways because the ways sometimes end in a kind of death. Acknowledge the reality where you are secondly, quickly. Develop a plan. What he says is, I will set out and I will go back. That's him making a plan, yes? He's acknowledged his reality. He comes to his senses. He's acknowledged his reality. I'm gonna set back and I'm gonna set out and go back to my father because in my father's house, there are people who have it way better than me. You can't just acknowledge this. You gotta do something. That's why last week we pushed you, we pushed you. If, you're, if you need help in this area, if you wanna get smarter in this area, go to this new life group that we popped up this for four weeks, started last week. There was 30 people there last Tuesday night at 6.30. There'll be, hopefully there'll be that much or more this coming Tuesday, right in that room out there, this Tuesday, 6.30. Because people go, hey, I gotta do something. If it's debt, go to DaveRamsey.com, right? Come on, can I get that real quick? DaveRamsey.com, boom, there it is, okay, yeah. DaveRamsey.com. Man, this is a guy who knows more than I know anybody. 
who knows how to get, help people get out of debt. There's a plan there. You can follow the steps. They're baby steps. You can just start there. Go some, we're gonna do Financial Peace University in January, or end of January, early February. We're gonna do it for the whole church. It's $140. Normally, we're buying a site license. It's not gonna be like that, okay? It's gonna be completely free to you except for, for your materials, right? We wanna help people. We wanna help people get wisdom around money. Get a plan of attack, and this is a little saying that should fuel that. Angela Cornella, debt is bad, saving is good, giving is fun, stuff is meaningless. That's the fuel for the plan. That's the fuel for the plan. Third thing, humbly ask your father for help. Humility, listen, lean in. Humility puts you back in the favor of God. Pride takes you out of the favor of God. Humility puts you back there. Humility opens you up to what God might say. This is what the son in the story of Jesus did. He went back to his father. And his father was out actually waiting for him and he ran to where he was. It was humility that led him back to the father. It was pride that had him fall in the first place. Pride causes destruction. Humility brings you back into the grace of God. First Peter 5, God opposes the what? Every single time God opposes pride, but shows what? Favor to the humble. We have to make the decision, do I want God to oppose me or do I want God to favor me? It's humility or pride. It's the posture of the heart. Humble yourselves, therefore, in light of this verse, under God's mighty hand, that he may, what? Lift you, what? Up. Because here's the deal. Some of us have fallen off the edge. We're like, I can't get out of this trap. I'm in a trap, no way out. This verse assumes that you've fallen down. And God says, if you'll just get humble and honest about it, I will help you back up. This is what he does in the story of, of, of the son. The son comes back, what does he do? He's covered in the filth of his mistakes. You don't have to get cleaned up to God to come to God, but God, when he finds you, is gonna clean you up. That's what he does. Get him some shoes, get him some shoes, bring a new robe, bring a new ring out, right? He's been in the pit, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lift him up because he's gotten humble now. But look at this in due time, meaning it's, it's, not, it's not instantly. It's a process, it's progress, little by little. I got into the trap, God's gonna lift me out of the trap, and he's gonna help me to get right on the right path in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he, what? Cares for you. Last thing, last thing, last thing. Gotta just show you this. There are two postures at work. We're trying to get wisdom around finances. But this is not just finances. This is about all of everything I just said applies to your marriage, applies to your, your relationships, applies to your physical well-being, all of it, same thing. The son comes first, do you remember this? He says, Father, give me my share of the estate. That notion of give me is pride and entitlement. This is, I deserve this, this is what's coming to me. But then at the end of the story, he says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you and I'm no longer worthy to be your son. And then he says this, he says, Father, make me. He's humbled, Father, make me, I'm broken. I've fallen. Father, lift me up. Father, make me, mold me, shake me. Sometimes there's some pain involved in that, yes or no. So you and I have to decide, 
Am I gonna have the posture, give it to me, it's mine. I deserve this. Or am I gonna come to my heavenly father and say, Father, whatever you want, however you wanna do it, Father, make me. You see that? And you and I have to decide which of these two attitudes that we're gonna have. It's mine, it's my rights, I deserve it, give it. Or Father, I'm content with where I'm at, with what I have. I'm not gonna stop dreaming about what I'd like. Father, make me. There is real, there's real power in a surrendered heart, in the posture of surrender and humility. I don't know it all. Wise people know what they don't know. And so they go to those who do know. And that's what makes them wise. Yes, you've heard me say it over and over again. Wise people know what they don't know because they have a posture of humility. They have a posture of learning. Father, make me. So they go to those who do know and that's what makes them wise. It is not wrong. It does not lessen you to ask for help from God and from people. So when we've fallen, I'm gonna try to get myself out or I'm gonna say, Father, lift me up. It's all about the posture of the heart. Pride, humility, pride, humility. One causes a fall, one causes God to lift you up. Yes? So Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for all these folks. Many of us, many of us are living, all of us are living in a time where it's un, kind of unprecedented with, with inflation and prices and supply chains and all this craziness. It's a stressful time for us, but you have come to give us life and life to the full. That's what you said. You've come to give us life and give it more abundantly. And I'm just praying that people would give careful thought to their ways. Help us, help us to be honest, to be open, to get help, to ask questions, or to read your word, to get disciplined, to be more comfortable with discipline, not debt. I pray that you give us wisdom surrounding this. I pray for the peace of God that passes all understanding to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I pray that folks who are struggling would cast all of their anxieties on you because you care for us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. God bless. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.